areas of the brain, like the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus and the amygdala, things like that that are so important in areas like executive functioning, decision-making, impulse control. These are incredibly important areas of the brain that need to be given the chance to develop appropriately. I really don't recommend anything with a psychoactive component to anyone while your brain is still developing. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. Welcome back to the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant with so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. Well, today we have a very special guest, uh, such an honor to have. Uh, we have Dr. Rebecca Siegel on, who has published an incredible book that I have recently read and thought was such a great, uh, so many great insights and answers so many questions that a lot of people have. And we get them all the time here at the podcast and at 101 Hemp. Uh, and the name of the book is The Brain on Cannabis, What You Should Know About Recreation and medical marijuana. So she's joining us today, which we're so excited. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, Dr. Siegel? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we are very excited. And by reading your book, and it's a fantastic book, it aligns with so many of the things that we talk about here on the podcast and through our guests. So we can't wait to get in there and ask you some questions because there is so much confusion about cannabis even just the name <laughs> and what do we call it so we're so excited to ask some questions for you of course we're joined with my co-host dan humminston and janet ben gaylord welcome dan and janet how are you two doing this fine morning i'm doing great fantastic so, so, so am i so am i I've, I've not completely recovered from last week's game justin but i'm i'm on my way my heart goes out to you, man. Once again, in, it was the best NFL weekend we've ever seen of football games. And unfortunately, someone can't win them all. And you guys <laughs> play good enough to win, but you guys got a great future ahead of you. But I digress. Back to the topic again. <laughs> Go Bills. Um, you know, Dr. Siegel, would you tell us a little bit about how you got introduced or, or how this, this plant cannabis started to come into your life and, and what was your introduction and, and, and what caught your attention to, to start to study and truly understand this plant? Absolutely. Happy to explain. So it was a, a patient of mine who came to me in early 2018 um, saying that she no longer needed medication to help her sleep for her terrible insomnia that had plagued her for years. And I was very curious, you know, and she, she said, well, and she actually pulled out a, a chocolate bar, showed me a actual photo, a photo of a chocolate bar that she had gotten in Denver. It was actually a, an edible, a cannabis chocolate bar. And she said, this has changed my life. I no longer need the medication to, to help. And I said, wow, I couldn't believe it. And, um, you know, then her, her request to me was, could I help her with this? which 
you know, I knew, so I'm a practitioner in New York state and I knew that, and I've, I've been practicing for about 15 years, maybe even 18 years. And I am an adult psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist. I have three daughters of my own. I have a lot of experience with a lot of things, but cannabis wasn't one of them. And so when she said this to me, it piqued my interest tremendously. So I started looking into it. I knew that cannabis was medically legal in New York state that I did know, but I didn't know how to get involved with it or how to, um, you know, be able to certify people for it, nor did I really know anything about it myself. And so that kind of piqued my interest and started my journey. And, um, you know, I, the way I am is that when I get something in my head, I want to learn more about it. And then I want to share it, educate and make people aware. Fantastic. And from that, I, I assume you probably, you know, you it sounds like you're a lot like me. I, I call myself a rabbit holer. And so when I want to investigate something, I go all the way down the rabbit hole. And when we were looking for a solution for our son, uh, who had been diagnosed with severe uh, regressive autism at the age of three, um, we were looking for hope for, you know, anything really to see how we could clear the, the fog for his brain. And um, when we heard about uh, the incredible success that was being had with children, uh, seizures and epilepsy, that's what really caught my interest. And that's when I was like, well, if it can help with seizures and it can help with um, epilepsy, then maybe by the grace of God, it can help with a neurological ailment like uh, autism. And so that's what got us attracted to it. But when you got, were attracted to the plant, you know, through this uh, particular story or this instance, what, uh, wh how far down the rabbit hole did you go and what did that include? Well, I definitely wanted to learn more immediately. But what I did learn was how to become a certified prescriber of, of medical marijuana in New York State. That was the first step so that I could actually do this. But then, you know, and what they re they require is is very little in my mind, you know, to allow people allow physicians to do this. And uh, that in that includes having a valid license, having a valid DEA, you know, so that you can prescribe controlled substances, but also um, doing a two hour course to learn about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system and sort of their idea to educate people. But, you know, and I did that and I knew I didn't know enough. So I started, I actually started going to um, conferences. And one of the, the first ones I went to was a conference in U, at UCLA for, um, learn, you know, physicians learning about medical cannabis and its uses. And that was my sort of first, uh, you know, foray into it. And it was incredibly interesting and exciting and really, really, actually, uh, the idea that I had to write a book came from there. That is awesome. That's incredible. And and as you started to learn more, and then you were, had the, uh, you know, the license or the certification to prescribe, uh, you know, cannabis, uh, what were some of the early stories? Because um, we, it's obviously, it's the Miracle Plant podcast, and we call it that because of the, we literally started the podcast you know, and I reached out to Dan on his platform, PodCon X, uh, which is where he hosts cannabis and hemp-related um, podcasts. And I, and I said, Dan, I keep hearing all these incredible stories because we have physical stores in California and Colorado and, you know, through online and things like that. We kept hearing these incredible stories. And so I was like, 
we just got to start a podcast. Just have people on, tell their stories. Just let them, give them the mic and say, what happened? What's your story? And tune in, grab the popcorn and maybe a box of Kleenex. So when you um, first started, you know, prescribing it and having people come to you, are there some, some stories that, that, uh, that basically people would, you know, want to hear and be like, because I know with what you're prescribing, we usually talk on the raw side of hemp. So that's CBDA, CBGA, all of the like raw things you would find in juicing the plant. But I know you, when you're prescribing in New York state, you're more, it's more, would you say on the marijuana, high THC side? Um, and I, and I, I assume you probably also uh, educate people on both sides of the, the most common cannabinoids, which are THC and CBD. But do you have some, some stories you'd like to share with the audience? Absolutely. So one of the um, second type, second patient that came to me, I remember vividly, it was actually a mom that I knew from, you know, my one of my kids soccer teams, and she was gonna, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and was about to go through chemo. And she actually approached me and said, you know, like, I think that I heard that this was something you were involved with. And I've heard that that um, cannabis can actually ease the symptoms of nausea, you know, when you go through chemo. And she was terrified about that and terrified about a breast cancer diagnosis. And so, you know, I said, uh, absolutely, let's talk about this. I want to educate you how this can be helpful. But, you know, that, that definitely was a very memorable um, story for me. And she actually did get certified and it, it helped her through her treatment, which was a, a, a wonderful thing for me to, you know, to understand and hear about. Um, and yeah, and, and it just kept evolving that way. And people would come to me for various different things. And yes, in New York state, it was for what I was doing, it was mostly about THC and CBD, but I have to say, I am, I, I am very cautious at baseline. I am very aware. I have a balanced approach to all of this. Um, you know, cannabis is not a one size fits all. It's, you know, unique to everybody and how it affects them. So I am very, very balanced and cautious, um, but do understand that there are some really incredible uses for cannabis, I'd say in moderation. Um, I'm in here too. So my understanding that basically what you do is prescribe uh, marijuana. Um, and so you, you don't have involved in your practice anything to do with like CBD or CBDA, A, because they're legal and don't need a prescription. Um, have you followed more actually, recently? Actually, that's not, quite the, that's not quite the case. So okay. I actually had another patient come to me who actually through her, her, nephew who was her guardian she'd had a stroke and had a severe seizure disorder secondary to the stroke and they found that using cbd through hemp products was very helpful in decreasing this the seizure frequency which as we know this is the same thing that that your son may have found or that you know epidiolex the actual fda approved um, medication, right, using solely CBD. 
um, helps reduce seizures in children with severe, a severe, severe seizure disorder, Dravet syndrome, and also Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. So they were very interested in hearing about this. And I actually certified this woman for solely CBD products um, in you know, the medically legal New York State dispensary. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and so I actually have used just CBD. And then as Justin talked about our approach or whatever with working with my grandson uh, who had real severe autism with like global IQ delays, you could not measure and no speech and no behavior issues. And then through the course of many different approaches, we actually developed our raw whole plant CBD product for him. And then very quickly, we saw improvements. And by kindergarten, now he's been in regular schools without any handicapping conditions or interventions, top of his class, uh, totally removing of the symptoms so far of, of autism. And so we had moved on then from the CBD, even the heated CBDA into the raw um, unheated CBDA. And just wondered if you followed any research on that or uh, have become aware of that approach uh, to dealing with issues. Yeah, no, I definitely am aware of it, but it's much harder as I am, you know, if I do certify people to use medical cannabis, you know, I am, I am limited to the products that the dispensaries have. Ah, okay. Because okay. as you know, too, in a dispensary, even the CBD products there by law have to have higher levels of THC um, than products that you would get not at a dispensary. So, okay, that's very interesting. I didn't realize you were limited to that. Well, and, and that's one of the things that we certainly, I mean, we're out here in California and I know New York has become very new uh, to cannabis, uh, you know, you guys, as far as recreational access goes. So uh, do you know about how long that New York State has had access to the medical um, side of, of prescription, roughly? Yeah, so I think it was from 2014 that it was medically legalized. And as we know, it is now adult use and they're starting to set up you know, they're, they're getting ready to do this. And I see this as a tremendous opportunity for myself as a physician and other physicians, you know, to help people increase awareness. And medical cannabis is definitely how I recommend, you know, adults uh, go about this. I cannot control that. But to have the, you know, to have a physician who understands cannabis and how the modes of delivery and the you know the ratios of thc to cbd and even the understanding of all the different um you know endocannabinoids and phytocannabinoids in in the plant um is a huge benefit but people don't really realize that so i can only you know try to make people aware and educate them that going that using a, a physician a knowledgeable one may be a better way of doing things than doing this on your own especially for those who have no prior experience with it which is a lot of people absolutely dan did you have something to say to add um yeah i wanted to i was saying maybe we would segue a little bit into the book and talk a little bit about some of the some of the things that people will learn when they read the book. Sure. So, I mean, this book covers so many things. It covers a lot of, you know, a lot of my stories that patients came to me and, you know, I mean, everything that people, I, 
you know, I, I'm a sponge and I like to hear and learn from others. I say that, you know, everyone I meet teaches me something, you know, and so then I want to impart that to them, to others. So, you know, how people use it, what people use it for, why, why people are using it, you know, the, the, the discussion about, um, you know, is it helpful or is there a, and a, a dependence type of situation. Like I, I delve into that in the book. Um, there are so many, uh, you know, things about this. It, cannabis has been out there and been around for forever. And now we're just getting around to uh, trying to understand it. You know, I'm all about, please, more research is needed for physicians like myself to get behind it. I, most physicians, even physicians don't really understand it. You know, I am one of the few that is really seeing this as, wow, this is really, uh, for many, it can be a form of medicine. And but unless the research is done and larger scale research, physicians won't get behind it. Yeah, and it's exciting that there, we have so much research coming. And, um, and obviously, it's hard to do research on a controlled one substance. But uh, we're, we're, we're making progress and we've come leaps and bounds from where we were even 10 years ago. So uh, more research is coming and I love refreshing and checking out pubmed.gov to see what's coming down the pop, uh, the pipeline. And we will touch back on some recent research um, that came out that we'd love to discuss with you. But one of the things that I think a lot of people have questions about that you wrote about in the book that uh, I would love to get your take on, um, what your opinion is on your research and, and your practice of, of, of marijuana and, and, and use with children. Uh, and you can go um, teenager or below. Um, what has been your research? What has been your experience in, as far as, um, you know, recommending marijuana for uh, people uh, under the age of 18? Well, in my mind, and what we know is that the, the the brain is developing until you are in your mid twenties, and so we want. And, and I work at a a wonderful clinic called Amen Clinic, and Daniel Amen, who started this thirty years ago, is all about brain health, and we do a specific kind of brain imaging where we take we look in the brain and see what's you know gives people an idea of what's going on in their brains in order to help them deal with all kinds of psychological issues and other than that brain trauma and things like that but but the research that we have done over 30 years shows that the brain is developing until you are in your mid-20s and i so in that way i am true to to amen clinic and the research that's been done that we really don't want to be recommending anything like mar when we say marijuana meaning THC for the developing brain because it may have a big impact on how the brain develops it's been shown that it can absolutely impact areas of the brain like the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus and the amygdala things like that that are so important in areas like executive functioning, decision-making, impulse control. These are incredibly uh, imp important areas of the brain that need to be given the chance to develop appropriately. So I really don't recommend anything with, with a psychoactive component to 
anyone under the the while your brain is still developing. May I jump in there and say thank you, thank you, thank you. No, I work with a lot of people, and I work with a lot with autism and people around, actually, kind of around the world at this point. And there is a certain group of doctors working in this same field who are recommending high dose THC for children, young children with autism. And I just find that not helpful. And to me, it's just not good medical practice to do that. And again, too, I often talk with people that we talk within our offices that come in for help that, you know, if, and I use kind of the terms like men's brains develop, take a little bit longer to develop than women. But again, to about 25 to 27, you know, you're taking a risk to have that be building up in your brain and explain too that our brain is still developing. It's more complex, you know, prefrontal areas then. I'm just very happy to hear you uh, point that out because I've been saying it, but obviously I did not carry the weight of a doctor and a doctor works with Dr. Amen, who I'm very familiar with and very much um, enjoy everything that he does and believe in his research. So that's one of my hugest uh, conflicts I have working with people is the doctors in our field that are still recommending it for children and especially for autism, which again, too, is another neurological dysfunction. So we really don't want something else adding to that. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely. And Daniel Amen was instrumental in getting this book published and out there for me. So I, I, I owe him a huge, you know, debt of gratitude and am so appreciative of all the work he has done. Well, I just knew you two would get along. I know that has been uh, something that my mom has definitely been um, advocating for. And uh, we were happy to see that you're on the same page about not recommending high THC cannabis products to children. Well, I don't recommend so, high THC products yeah. to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, and once you turn 21 in New York or California and 30 some odd other states, you can do whatever you want in those states, uh, at least for recreational or medical. But, but yes, and, and maybe more reasons too. I know you mentioned some, but just as your research and, and, and working with Dr. Amen, what are some of the other um, specific things in the brain that may uh, have an adverse effect to THC, that THC may adversely affect the brain functions or parts of the brain development? Well, the, the, the two that come to mind are, first of all, is, is cannabis, you know, the, the whole plant, uh, a gateway, you know, is it a gateway drug when used, in, you know, in, in younger uh, developing minds? And the other thing is, is cannabis use in younger people a um, potentially, you know, leading to psychosis or schizophrenia if there is a predisposition to it? So those are two huge things that are, you know, very scary for me to think about. And I always say more research needs to be done in order to really understand this, but also to, it, can you make this tr statement? Is this really true? And that much larger scale research needs to be done. There's a huge uh, argument on both sides to say, yes, cannabis is a gateway drug or no, cannabis is not. And the other, the, the other point is that is there, is it causation or correlation? Right. That's also a very big thing. You know, is cannabis going to lead to psychosis or does someone have a predisposition to be, uh, you know, to have that type of mental disorder? Um, and then cannabis may just kick it off. We don't really know, you know, but I am so cautious and very aware that this might be 
that I, I all I can say is that I recommend more research be done, large scale, well-controlled di designed studies so that we will really know. Absolutely. Now that's and excellent. That is a common question. Just in my experience, and I admit I grew up in the 70s and I saw so many of my college classmates drop out of college after heavy use of marijuana. And just recently I had worked with a, a man who literally was ex exhibiting psychotic symptoms when he came to visit us. And actually he took the CBDA and it calmed him enough that he was able to go to a judge and not be placed in jail. I assume he went back to his ways after he got through the court issue though. And so I've done some research on that. So again, too, it's all preliminary. We don't have you know, exact research on the psychosis aspect. And, and then the gateway drug too, I haven't seen really exact science on that. I personally, in my own experience, have not seen it as a gateway uh, drug. The people I work with that smoke a lot of marijuana that I know too, they tend to be their drug of choice, but I'm sure at some points they might try other things. So, but you're right, we need more research on all aspects of this. So very excited to have your book and have so many things covered. And I like the way you would say like, is it this or is it this or whatever, and kind of covered both sides of each of the issues. So that's a very important part of your book. Well, and the other thing that I, that I and others should understand and more research needs to be done is that can CBD actually mitigate that? Right. Or CBD has these anti wonderful anti-inflammatory properties that, you know, can be used and harnessed for such wonderful, good, you know, uh, things and opportunities. But, you know, we have to understand it better. Um, I totally agree. And again, too, just in it's been seven years now, we've been working with the whole plant CBDA with a wide variety. And then the research I do on that, too. And the CBDA certainly does, and we see it a lot uh, with people who are a smoking too much marijuana that use it for that. And one of the most dramatic uses we saw, besides helping with, like I say, with autism and with like Parkinson's and MS and those types of things, anxiety and pain are the main reasons people take it, is the CBDA really, really was helpful. Uh, when the opioid crisis kind of hit a point uh, two years ago in February, where suddenly the pharmacies had turned it off in California anyway, and had many people coming in who'd been on opioids for 20 years, often like veterans and people with injuries. And they were able to get relief from both the addiction and the pain um, with the CBDA. And again, to one of my limits, not working in a university is being able to do research, but that's an area I would love to see. And the research is very clearly showing more and more that the CBDA, the the unheated version, which is actually the most prolific in the hemp plant, uh, has properties beyond the CBD. It goes beyond the endocannabinoid system and actually interacts with most of the cells of the body. And our favorite doctor, Dr. Raphael Mishulam, we call him the godfather in the cannabis field. Uh, he came here in 2019 to say CBDA was the most powerful and effective of all cannabinoids. And one area in particular he pointed out was with nausea research on nausea and CBDA showed it was up to a thousand times more effective than CBD or THC. And so he's been, he and Dr. Ralph Mishulam, excuse me, uh, Dr. Ethan Russo, um, have also been kind of our leading doctors that we've followed in developing what we're doing. So I'm just really excited to have some of the research move forward into the CBDA. And we're starting to see that more and more coming out. Yes, Absolutely. I look forward, I definitely look forward to you know, reading and learning more about it. And yes, they have their instrumental in, you know, leading the research for sure. Um, we, and Raphael Meshulam is a, a god in my mind. Well, we were lucky <laughs> enough in 2019 that he came out to CanMed 
and he uh it's cannabis medical short film. i was there and, i was there. oh good yep. so you saw him I yes and so there. we were right there in the front row and we literally like reserved the seats that morning i remember when they opened up the doors because we had a booth there and we uh as soon as because i could see where he was going to speak the keynote across the hall there and so like i could see it and i'm like i grabbed a couple of the staff i go dude grab these four right here grab these five and lay down Put stuff on him and because we're just going to like, we're, you know, get these seats. And so when he came out, I mean, you remember that roarous applause that he got? Everyone stood up and, and, and gave him that ovation as he walked out on stage. Do you remember that? I surely do. <laughs> I remember it. And I was like, it was Mick Jagger coming out on the Rolling Stones. And I was getting emotional because he had meant so much to what research has meant so much to our family. And had meant so much to so many families and so millions of people uh, that that uh, have used this plant uh, to help uh, with medical uh, ailments. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you were there. That's great. That was uh, that was such a great time. And he uh, and that was the time that he did was as you recall, he was talking about all the acid precursors, CBDA specifically, and CBGA and a few of the others. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad you were there. We might have we were in the same room. Watching uh, uh, Doctor Mishulam, so that's wonderful. Yes, that that was when my books were my book was in its sort of yeah like beginning stages of of forming, and it, you know it came out in Sept- this past September 2021. So yeah, it's it it's been a huge journey for me and a huge journey following all of this. And the amazing thing to me is cannabis has been around for thousands of years, and it's finally being you know, investigated further and researched, and it's still, you know, uh, illegal federally. And that has to, in my mind, that that that's the first thing that probably has to change in order for it to really be accepted as a real medicine. It's great that so many states have um, adopted some type of access, whether it's medicinal or adult use. It's huge. And, um, there's huge. Yeah. And it's helping people. Well, you know, what's also and, interesting is that just recently, New York, you know, where I practice, uh, I mean, just this is hot off the press. Just days ago, New York has uh, recently increased its accessibility to people, meaning physicians are able to certify for anything that they see fit why people might need you know, medically legal cannabis. Before, insomnia wasn't a medical condition that I could certify people for. Anxiety wasn't a condition I could certify people for. That's that's incredible to me because for the most part, that's why many, many people will use cannabis. Absolutely. And, and I think something that you're going to be really excited about, and I can tell we're going to talk a whole bunch more, uh, is the the when you keep the plant in the raw form, the CBDA, the CBGA, the THCA, uh, it doesn't have the, you know, psychedelic or psychotropic effects that people associate with the Cheech and Chong movies. And then you can really, when you start to really go down that rabbit hole and understand the true potential of the plant for medicinal prop for its medicinal properties. I mean, essentially, Dr. William Courtney's been on here a few times, and he says that the cannabis plant should be a dietary essential. And if you ate the plant every day, you wouldn't have to use it as medicine. And so I, I look forward to getting that over to you, the, some more research and some products for you to try and see for yourself the difference with the raw plant. 
And uh, there has been some incredible research that's come out recently, which has been all over the news. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read much about it, but uh, there was a couple articles or researchers. The first one was the one out of Oregon State um, and talking about CBDA and CBGA helping protect those ACE receptors, ACE2 receptors from the COVID virus uh, attaching. And uh, I didn't know that the thing that excited us the most, because everybody in the world sent me that article and those, those researchers. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known about that for years. And different studies and countries have shown that for since this whole thing started. But the fact that they were isolating the molecules THCA, CBDA, and CBGA, those were the three they were studying. That was the needle mover for us because it's like people are asking about what is CBDA and what is CBGA. And this, at that research that you were there, that, that conference with Dr. Raphael Mishulam, that was the, that was the first watermark for CBDA. When Dr. Raphael Mishulam came out and told the world CBDA is up to a thousand times more powerful, effective than CBD, that was when it was like, okay, everyone started asking about CBDA. That was a needle mover. But this, this research out of Oregon State, uh, I believe, is having a similar effect of, of at least having a conversation about these acid precursors. So did you get a chance to read that study or hear much about it from Oregon State? Yes, absolutely. And I'm definitely incredibly excited about the possibility for this. But like I said, it's all about, you know, showing the medical community that this is research based and can, you know what I mean? And it has to be um, larger scale trials, large scale studies that will move the needle for physicians. Absolutely yeah, agree. Very true. It was just exciting, too, and the way they came up with which ones was just checking which natural products or small molecules, they called them, that had an affinity for the spike protein as something, as a possibility to do some treatment. And so it's interesting that it was the hemp CBDA and the hemp CBGA and then the THCA that had that affinity. And then when they tested it in the lab against live viruses, they were still effective at blocking uh, someone like an antibody blocking the attachment to lead to infection. And so definitely, yes, it's hopefully people are funding more studies now to move that forward. But again, too, I, we're very excited. I think there are tremendous opportunities for cannabis in every way. Right. Uh, so anyway, I was very excited about that. And then there's a lot of the news confusion. Uh, a lot of people like late night talk shows were saying, oh, this means we just need to smoke more pot for COVID. And that's be a totally wrong response. Well, and then there was a lot of talking back saying, no, it has to be the raw form of the hemp plant. But correct. And people don't hear that. They hear what they want to hear. And but in my experience with people coming to me and being curious about it, but also really wanting options, other options than you know, medication is they don't want to be in quotes high. They don't want necessarily the psychoactive effects. They want the medicinal effects. Right. That's, that's what I am, you know, trying to work with and trying to understand better. And, um, you know, I need, I want more research done. Right. There's so that I can understand it better. Yeah. There's quite a bit of research done on the CBDA. And like you had mentioned, it has those very strong anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. And also it's very good at homeostasis or balancing most of our uh, systems. I know in terms of COVID too, it was very good at balancing the immune system or the anti-inflammatory level so it could not allow 
really overreacting or the cytokine storm or whatever. So there's a lot of research out there. And again, too, there has always been more interest in THC than CBD, or C, especially the raw CBDA. So the research has been more slowly to, to be completed. Uh, but again, too, the direction I'm reading, my understanding of all the unique benefits of keeping it raw and going into the whole body and things, um, I'm hoping in, that we continue to see more research. Uh, and just in your practice, I know it's medical marijuana. Do you ever see yourself moving toward like, like I say, the raw CBDA products or just CBD products and not from the dispensary because there's going to be a, a pretty high level of THC in them for them to be in the dispensary. Um, anyway, I just wonder if you saw yourself moving toward that or researching more in that field of the raw uh, CBDA. Well, I mean, as I say, uh, you know, as a physician and as a, a scientist, I say we call I, I like to call it cannabis because it, it this is it has such a multitude of properties and compounds and and options and opportunities and things that it might do and might be helpful for. I, you know, I am not a I'm not a bench scientist to say this is what you know like that i'm going to use i'm going to use the research i'm going to use what comes out and and i can trust to say this is what i will do and if it comes out in large scale that they're saying raw cbda and tbga products are what will help the most then that is what i will get behind absolutely and and at the end of the day too i mean it's it, it is about education and that's why we have the podcast and that's why we're so happy to have you on and the book, you know, that you wrote about it, you know, the brain on cannabis, what you should know about recreational and medical marijuana. You could find it Amazon or audible. I'm a listener. And, uh, you know, some of the other things that you talk about in the book is, uh, you talk about best ways to consume, uh, the cannabis plant. Uh, would you uh, care to share that with our audience? What is what is your normal recommendation when it comes to the best ways to consume the, the cannabis products? Well, ab absolutely. Thank you. I think that when each person is an individual, right? And so I want to understand the individual and I want to understand meaning what medications are they on? What uh, medical conditions do they have? We're also in a pandemic, you know, where it's a it's a respiratory illness and you you know my my thought is we really don't want to be putting anything into our bodies that's going to impact our lungs so for the most part my recommendation is that you really don't smoke or vape any cannabis products that you want to be safer about it and certainly with recreational use many people are very much into smoking and vaping that is not my bent I am much more towards the tinctures or we could say edibles. There's really edibles are a very newer concept in New York state where I practice. It's been capsule and um, things like that. You know, it's not, it's been capsules and tablets, not, um, not edibles. Right. So that, that is more of my, my thought behind it. You know, we don't want to be impacting the lungs in any way especially during COVID. So what you're saying is smoking marijuana won't keep you from getting COVID. Because <laughs> I know that was the, the punchline that people out there were using. I, and in fact, smoking cannabis or smoking marijuana isn't you know necessarily the best thing maybe to do for a virus that attacks the lungs, right? Absolutely. And I really don't want to be, I, look, 
I mean, I, I want first do no harm. That is the first tenet of medicine. And so I am very, I have a, an approach of moderation. I have approach, an approach of caution. I am not recommending that anyone smoke or vape. I am definitely taking into account every individual person that comes to me to understand what's going on for them and how I can be helpful to them. And, and just, and just so people are, because vape products, I think it was in 2019, they started to show some side effects. They started to show some studies that, you know, it was being linked to as dangerous as secondhand smoke. And then there were some more things that came out. Can you explain to our audience, what are some of the dangers of vaping? Because some people don't know. Well, yes, it was called the vaping crisis. And unfortunately, the pandemic was just around the corner. So that really, it, it took a backseat. Uh, but there were a many people who were um, ending up in ERs and very, very ill because of something in the vaping product. And so uh, as far as I'm aware, it was, it was never quite um, understood exactly why, but the thought was that it was probably a, a component, a, a chemical component of what was either in the smoking or the vaping products. And so that is another reason why I do not necessarily recommend that anybody smoke or vape. Um, the other thing is that um, I also do not recommend that anyone get it off the street. I, I definitely recommend that people obtain it legally because you don't know it is a plant. You don't know what you're getting. You also don't know, you know, if you're getting it off the street, who's providing it to you, what it, it may be contaminated with all kinds of things. You know, I'm very, very concerned about that. And certainly the um, desire that that adolescents and kids in their, you know, their 20s have about trying all these types of things that's that's understood and their their frontal lobes may not be fully developed at that point and you know to impulsively do something that may really harm your brain is a, a horrible thought to me so uh, to be as safe as possible that's thank you very much for those cautions that's so important and did you would you say i mean because i know that people have you know you know, the, the top reason before the, you know, beginning of March, 2020, uh, people came to us was for pain. It was clearly pain was the number one reason that people wanted to consume, uh, you know, our whole plant, uh, hemp products. Would you, and, and we, I mean, we saw it personally, but would you say in your practice or your research that CBD can be a good alternative to opioids and even even the dependency upon opioids. I don't know how much experience you had with that or saw that in your practice or research you came across. Yeah, so I've had a, a handful of patients come to me asking for my help to use cannabis products in a way to help them get off of, of, of use of opioids. And it's a complicated thing. It's a very complicated issue. But I have definitely found that a, you know, in the way that I am able to recommend and certify people that a higher concentration of CBD to THC is a much safer and much better way to go, certainly for trying to, for people to try to try to help them taper off of opioids, for sure. We don't want to, um, cause other forms of, of dependence or addiction. And that, it, that's a slippery slope I get into because addiction and dependence are, are 
you know, very, very complicated topics and issues. But I definitely agree that the cannabis can be an option to help. I've seen it be, be helpful for some getting off of opioids. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we certainly uh, saw the same thing as well. And and uh, that's uh, I've also you know. seen it, like you said, chronic pain. I've also seen it be very helpful for I've also seen it be very helpful for PTSD. I've treated a number of vets who have definitely um, been helped by cannabis products. And that is a huge topic and one that, you know, has been in the news relatively recently about the VA and the federal government and how to help vets. Yeah, we agree. We see it here a lot. We're out here in Ventura, California. We're close to a naval base. Um, and so we, there's a, a large contingent of military uh, that we just come across in, and, and talk with, whether it be active or retired. And yeah, unfortunately, the VA stance on CBD is, um, you know, archaic, to put it nicely. Um, there's been memos that have been passed around in the Navy that... Um, uh, it's uh, CBD is illegal as far as they're concerned, and it's just been really, really unfortunate. And we've had um, employees um, for us that go to the VA and tell them that they're using CBD products, and the doctor says, "I cannot put that in your folder." Um, it, it's just been really unfortunate that so many um, veterans are suffering from PTSD because of what they went through. I mean who are we kidding here and they that they are being told that they can't have access to this product so anything we can do to further that topic to pressure um, whoever we need to pressure whether it's congress or whether it's uh, the vas or whatever branch of government to give access um, allow access to at the very least cbd products um, that uh, that you uh, that you've seen and that we've seen help so much with with PTSD. I know you had a, a store, a couple stories in the book about PTSD. Did you want to share maybe a, one or two of those? Well, yes, and I absolutely wanted to underscore the point that our policymakers need to understand that CBD is, is very different than THC, and that it can be so very helpful and to be to not have the understanding and awareness that CBD is different than THC is mind-boggling to me. And so I, I have the desire to educate and, and increase awareness of the general you know, population of people, but also uh, other physicians who just don't understand it either. Uh, and people of a certain generation really have very, very biased attitudes towards cannabis as a whole. And, you know, that is unfortunate. You know, these types of um, things have to change in order for cannabis to move forward. And, and my arsenal of things that I, you know, want to use for people. Absolutely. And we're, that's why we're, and, and you've, and you're, you're, and I know this is your first time on Clubhouse. So welcome to Clubhouse. <laughs> and, and, and being on the Miracle Plant podcast, which we're recording live, um, is these are two incredible platforms that, you know, we've had the opportunity to have these discussions. And there are so many great discussions that, that not only do we have on the podcast, like yourself and, and experts and doctors and researchers and science and people who, come, who, who have incredible stories, how this plant has helped them or their family, 
but also Clubhouse. Clubhouse has gotten, you know, I've met so many cool people, so many brilliant minds, uh, so many powerful stories. Um, and, and so I'm really excited uh, and uh, fully encourage you to continue down the rabbit hole of Clubhouse. Just maybe put a timer on your settings for screen time at three hours or something. Because <laughs> I know when I first got on, <laughs> it was a lot more than that. But, uh, but yes, uh, and it's, it's, it's been a great platform that we can have these conversations. And I'm definitely excited to have you on uh, the Miracle Plant podcast. And are there any other, any other things about the book you want to talk about or, or any other things that, that are, are really, uh, you know, kind of on top of mind for you to share with the audience? Absolutely. So as a parent of three daughters myself, and my daughters are 24, 21, and 16. Um, I am first and foremost a parent, and I also I definitely need to get out the, the the message that you really want to understand. You know, if you think your kids are um, using or abusing cannabis products in any way, you you need to understand what's going on with your children. You need to have good, honest conversations with them. You know, you need to confront something head on. And there's all kinds of people that can help. And, and I think that that is a huge message that I want to get out that you really need to understand what's going on for your children in every way. Right. And, and like I vote, like I said, from the start, I don't believe that anyone, you know, whose brain is still developing and maturing should be using cannabis products or any substance of abuse. And so, to, to really understand what's going on. If you see changes in your in your kid's behavior or school performance or social attitudes, things like that, you need to be on top of things. And I thought that was great in the book too. You talked about, you know, it's an opportunity. If you, if you see those changes in their attitudes or their behaviors, um, or if you, if you catch them, you know, little Johnny with a, a, a bag in his sock drawers or doing his laundry, that you know it's an opportunity to come you know get closer to your children and 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 maybe discuss what things are going on in their lives um, maybe, maybe it's stress or pressure or uh, whatever types of things that um can lead them obviously the peer pressure is a big one but just you know stress in general and I, i've heard it from all over the place that so many kids these days over the past two years with all this homeschooling and all of this, you know, fear that's been going on, um, you know, a lot kids are really a lot more anxious than they've maybe ever been. Um, you know, obviously consuming large sugary sodas and caffeine from Starbucks might not be the best thing for anxiety, but there are certainly um, some real, um, you know, consequences and things that are out there. And uh, I love how your book covered that to say this is an opportunity to to get closer to your children and really understand what's going on. And you shared some great stories in the book about that. So I really appreciate that. And the, I would, pandemic, the, the pandemic I would, has affected us in so many ways that, that are just coming out now. So we have an opportunity as parents to be involved with our kids in, in a much greater and in-depth way. Absolutely. Were you going to say something, Janet? I was just going to say thank you for that message. It's just a message I've been saying over and over and over. Um, to parents and especially to teenagers and so if i have somebody who's you know in their 30s i say you're an adult you can make your own choices please be aware though of the positives and the negatives but it's just hard to see that in writing 
and hear people say it out loud that, right, you do not put uh, THC into developing brains and why. And so I was just very, very excited. And I can't thank you enough for sharing that message. Absolutely. It is my ultimate message. Well, and like I said, it's a really, really, really good book. And um, I definitely am a cannabis expert and I've been around the block and uh, I was very impressed with the writing. And I loved like how my mom said, you covered both sides of the arguments because many of the arguments are still yet to be determined. And um, so you, you make cases for both sides of, of many, um, you know, conversations that uh, are, are a little charged in like, is marijuana addictive? And what are the side effects of marijuana? Uh, things of that nature that then you explore both sides uh, of the debate. So I really, um, you know, tip the cap to you there. Where can people find your book? Well, they can absolutely find it on Amazon. And it's called The Brain on Cannabis, as you said earlier. And my website is drrebeccasiegel.com. And it will have a link to the book on Amazon as well. Wonderful. And uh, if, if someone wants to reach out to you and has more questions or maybe even wants a recommendation or a consultation, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Well, I can definitely be reached through Amen Clinic. And the, the Amen Clinic website will direct people to uh, all the clinics, but I am in the New York Clinic. And I am on that the website as Dr. Rebecca Siegel. And absolutely, we have lots of people reaching out to Amen Clinic these days as well. And I know I'm excited to look at more of the brain imagery work that you're doing and, and uh, seeing that mapping out. That seems really exciting. And I couldn't let you go because, as we know, Dan Humiston, Humiston, the Dan the Man, is uh, a Buffalo Bills fan. And we're feeling for you, brother. We feel for you. you got a great quarterback and a great team. Um, now, Dr. Rebecca, are you a Mets fan or a Yankees fan? Because I spend well, actually, a lot of time in Jersey. Just got to get it. You got to check that one. Actually, I am a a Duke fan, and Duke is playing right now. Duke basketball. <laughs> That's what I am. I am. There you I go. Went to Duke, and I am a, a rabid Duke fan, and so gotcha. that is that is my true love. There you college go. basketball. That's and awesome. You're, and you're going to have a new coach too, so that's kind that's of that's uh, right. That's geez. right. And when I was that's right. And when I was there, Coach K had I think he was in his fourth year of coaching. That it it, it, wow. it ages me, it dates me, but it was a, a wonderful thing that has been with me forever. The love of college basketball, and I I gave the gift of that to my father. College so basketball. So you were we you were pre Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill era. You were before that? I was right before that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I had a lot of friends that graduated probably were there when you were there. So they, that is interesting because I can't – those guys, uh, I have to say you guys have, have the right to be arrogant, and they certainly are when it comes to college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Coach Krzyzewski has created a dynasty, and it, it's going to be a very interesting thing how the torch gets passed and but i am not i love, will love duke basketball forever and i'm not giving up on it and i think it's going to be an incredible program going forward well enjoy that victory lap with uh, coach k he's 
I've, I've always had the utmost respect for him. I grew, I, I was always a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. Mm. So I'm glad we waited till the end of the show to, to get that yeah, out there. But, the but <laughs> well, I am, I am hoping nice. to be, I am hoping to be in the state, in, in uh, the Carolina <laughs> basketball stadium coming, comes coming soon. Cause the Duke Carolina game. Is oh, coming that's up. great. I'm hoping to be that's there. Great. At, at, which would be a an interesting thing for yeah. sure. At the home, at, at home Duke or at away? Carolina. Oh, that'll be yeah, fun. It's, it's at Carolina, so we'll see. That'll be fun. It's it's a great rivalry, one of the best in all of sports. So, again, thank you for joining us on the Miracle Plant Podcast. Thank you for all you've done. You've got a great perspective on cannabis, and you've helped so many people. And sharing your story and your book, so people can, you know, dig deeper. And have some of those questions answered. And again, the name of the book is The Brain on Cannabis, What You Should Know About Recreational and Medical Marijuana by Dr. Rebecca Siegel, MD. Find it on Amazon or on Audible if you're a listener like I am, which it might be if you're listening to a podcast. And at the end of every Miracle Plant podcast, we send out a message of heal the world because that's what this Miracle Plant did for our son. And uh, we're just here to pay it forward for others that are out there that are looking for a solution so on the count of three we say heal the world so everyone on stage unmute your mics it's one two three heal Heal the world thanks everyone for joining us on the miracle plan podcast tune in next week well we have some great stories and some great people to talk with about this miracle plan thanks for tuning in and we'll see you real soon thanks for listening to today's show To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.